Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Movies That Made Me with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. Joe does not know what we're going to talk about. Uh, I I feel like, I feel like, uh, uh, I never know. We're, we're, we're here with Sean Durkin, um, writer director of uh, uh, Martha, Marcy, May Marlene, a movie that even when it's written down in front of me, always that had, how do you feel about that title all these years later? Just call it Martha. (laughs) Even when I, I loved it, I watched it again a while back. I loved it even more. And it's just, I just, I have a terrible thing with names. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, remembering four names is hard. Any movie that, you know, comes out now with four names, I can never remember the name in, of. But, in you know, it felt uh, felt appropriate and right. So it's right a conversation time. about it's it. Right <laughs> um, but And also writer-director of The Nest, which um, hit theaters a little while ago and is uh, going to be streaming November 17th. Um, cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, Jude Law, Carrie Coon, amazing performances, incredible script. Um, and I, I really pretty much anything I say about the film is going to give things up that I shouldn't give up. So, (laughs) um, but let's just say it does have an interesting ending and um, spoiler alert. uh, uh, That's what we're going to be talking about this week. Um, uh, Both, both of uh, Sean's films um, that that we have mentioned uh, have really, really interesting endings. And uh, I'm a sucker for a certain kind of ending and uh, clearly so are you. Um, and we thought it'd be kind of fun and it was something we've never done before. So, uh, an entire I, spoiler show, an entire episode. <laughs> yes. Of spoilers. <laughs> I guess I what, what do you tell people? Like if we, if we hit a movie that you haven't seen, just like scroll ahead 10 minutes and, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, but, um, uh, I'm pretty sure none of the films we're talking about are, are less than a year old. So, uh, the statute of limitations is up. Um, so there's no, there's no, there's no things like it's his sled. Kind of. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to ask him. I will tell you, I got, I got, I got yelled at royally by Quentin Tarantino a while back for discussing the ending of the John Wayne film, The Cowboys, really, uh, on the uh, Pure Cinema podcast. And I, I do feel that you know that movie's fifty years old, so um, I, I felt that it was okay. But uh, so if you're offended by people giving up endings. Uh, to movies. This is not the episode for you. <laughs> yeah, great way to start. Don't listen. Don't listen to our episode. Go, go I, watch I the would, nest. I would say most of what we're going to talk about are, I think, pretty discussed ending. Uh, you know, as is. So I don't think there's too many uh, surprises here. No surprises. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Well, let's. Why don't we just jump into one and then we'll. Uh, sure. uh, whoops. Hang on. Go away. 
Um, let's just jump right in. And as we go, we'll sort of come to, I think, an understanding of uh, uh, your, your interest in endings, which um, right. I know is one, is one I share. But uh, yeah, I, do, you want to, do you have them in any kind of order or do you just want to like throw one out? And... Um, I don't. I don't. I, uh, I think as I've been thinking about them, I've started to notice some patterns, but uh, I certainly haven't had an order. I mean, um, I guess, I mean, I guess we could start with Parallax View. Since the assassination, six of these people have died in some kind of an accident. There is no evidence of a conspiracy. These people were killed. And whoever killed them is going to try to kill me. Austin thinks that maybe we all saw something up there. We're in the business of reporting the news, not creating it. You've been asking questions about me and things you know nothing about. What I know is I need a good alias and I need a good ID. Who are you? You know, there for a moment, I thought you were a man. My life is in danger just being here. And whoever's behind this is in the business of recruiting assassins. I think I got some of their entrance exams. Congratulations, Richard. You've had some very interesting scores on the first series of tests for Parallax. You know, your tests suggest that you have remarkable talents. It's hard to pick a favorite, but it's certainly, it's certainly up there. Yeah. Um, and it might be on my mind because, um, because I've sort of rewatched it very recently. Um, and it might be on my mind because it deals in, uh, you know, a, a very terrifying political landscape. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, so it's been on my mind a lot. <laughs> the um, yeah, it's a it's a, a lovely and creepy film. Um, I, I watched it recently. I was struck. This has nothing to do with the ending or anything, but I, I love the scene where he gets onto an airplane. And you just assume they've cut yes. the part where he buys a ticket. And then the stewardess walks up and asks him where he's going. And he buys the ticket on the airplane. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I can't, I can't get over that. It's like, like being on a train. Uh, yeah. And then he lights up a cigarette, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, they're, always, yeah. they're always smoking on in old movies. Yeah. On planes. On planes. On planes yeah. yeah. The, the high and the mighty is my favorite. Everybody is smoking. The crew, the, the captain, the, the passengers, everybody's smoking. I, I definitely experienced smoking on planes, but I wish I could have experienced the time where you could just walk on and buy a yeah. ticket on the plane. Yeah, yeah, no metal detectors, <laughs> no, no taking off your shoes. Thank uh, you, Bin Laden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll talk, Leah. Talk about the ending a bit, because I mean, it's um, it is a, it is a, it's a dark ending. It's one. Yeah. I mean, can you cast yourself back to the first time you saw it and remember how it affected you, or? Yeah, I think uh, I think I probably watched it when I watched uh, probably around the time that I discovered Kula, and, and I probably watched everything. It was it was probably around the time I was in NYU or just after. Um, I sort of I had this this time period at NYU where I just consumed everything I could, and then for the years after, um, I feel like I I was in New York and I just lived at the Film Forum and saw everything that they showed. And, um, so, so it was probably in, in that time. And, and I can't remember the exact, uh, the exact first time I saw it, but, um, I was certainly blown away by the, um, 
I, I feel like there's a truthfulness to the ending. I mean, you could say the ending is bleak and you could say the ending is... Uh, unjust. Unjust. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, there is a truthfulness to the ending within the world that it's depicting, right? And yeah. so yeah. to me, I, I think I felt and still feel when watching it that, that in, in portraying uh, this character who cannot take down this machine that is bigger than him and bigger than democracy, and uh, it's, it's right that he shouldn't win because he, he alone can't take that down. And so yeah. I think I felt like, or I imagine it upset a lot of people. I mean, I don't know, but I imagine it did ending like that usually does I think I felt like oh this is just honest and truthful to the journey of this character and um which is always the the, the thing that I'm trying to do in in my work I find is is like let an ending be the truthful a part of the truthful journey of the character that you're watching right yeah, it it doesn't. Um, I can't imagine that film working if uh, it ended with him bringing them all down by yeah. you know, exposing them. It would feel well. It wouldn't be believable. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it too vast. A, it's too vast a conspiracy, and that's why it's you know in the cinema of paranoia, uh, of which this is a prime example. Uh, you know, there are very few happy endings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking I, of yeah. uh, 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 Three Days of the Condor has that. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, they don't they don't go all the way, but they end with him about to walk into the New York Times. And I sort of think about how the events of the last few decades. Might well, he gets been. a job there and then he brings down the president. Right. No, but I, I think I think the, you know, <laughs> what were things like, you know, they're they're uh, the, the terrible job they did on the Iraq war, for instance, and things like that, that the the ending of Three Days of the Condor takes on a very different color, I think, to a younger audience than it did when. You know, when I first saw it, it was like, oh, they'll bring him down. And now you're like, oh, they'll probably bury the story. <laughs> it's, it's interesting you mention it because I actually I haven't watched it in a while and I can't remember the exact ending. But I do remember the very day that I watched that movie for the first time. And I was only 11. And and I remember the tone. I remember watching it with my dad and I remember it was like a rainy Saturday afternoon. And I remember the tone of the movie and the feeling of paranoia just being making such an impact on me even though i don't remember what the final beat is but that's really interesting right. well i think it goes as far as you can go with that kind of film without you know he can't bring them all down but he can end up standing outside the new york times about to give them the story and at least give you some hope yeah which is probably about as far as the parallax view could have gone yeah. But yeah, the notion that Warren Beatty is going to bring this whole thing down and what they'll have a parade for him, that would just have been a yeah. very <laughs> he's It's worse. He's the patsy. Yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of that. You're right. Is that that he's he's he doesn't just fail. He ends up, you know, they, they've accounted for him in their in their planning. I think that's what makes the parallax view so chilling. At the yeah. End. And also and also the, the visual, the visuals of the, the final sequence are just astounding. You know, it's. Yeah. The big open hall, the uh, the marching band, the um, the what do you call it? Like, like you know, they're doing they're flipping the cards to make the outline of his face, and yeah. and and then and then when when he's assassinated and he just drives in through the tables and the tables yeah. just kind of shift out of the way, and then and then the whole it feels like it's going to end there, and then the, the whole sequence uh, with them chasing him on the uh, you know, through yeah, the rafters right. and like yeah. the rafters and the top of the frame. I mean, it's just, it's one of the most 
stunning sequences of cinema history, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And and that and 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 then and then there's like, you know, the, there's only a couple lines. It's like, I see him or get him or something, you know, and, and then they and they get him and there's this like sense of relief that it's over. And so the people in the in the place feel like they got the bad guy. And it's just right. It's uh yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. And it, it does do that thing. Um Howard Rodman, other people have said this, our friend Howard. I'm going to flub it, but we get to the end of a movie and the, the best endings are ones you couldn't possibly have seen coming. And yet when you arrive there, you realize they could only have ended there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that. I feel like sometimes it's hard to describe what makes a great ending, but I think that's a great way to put it, right? It's like, you just feel like you are, um, you've been taken as far as the story goes. And also, and also I feel an extension of that is, and and not in the case of Parallax View, obviously, but um, that the character or the world of the characters continues. You know that you're dropping in, you're dropping in and in on something, and you believe that there was a life before, and that there is a life after, and the movie is just a section of the world that you're seeing. Yeah, and that's also something I really love and respond to, and always try to do myself. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember seeing uh, uh, Martha. Um... I, I, I won't get too specific, but we'll talk. We'll talk about the ending. <laughs> sure, yeah. Because it was one of those ones, <clears> and I, I love those kind of endings. John Sayles Limbo is one of my favorites. With and uh, uh, where I start to feel this thing. If the movie's working, I start to feel it coming. I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but I'm like, oh, oh, it's it's we're about to end. <laughs> no one could possibly look at this scene and get the sense that the movie's about to end. But I'm feeling that we're about to end. And then they cut to black. And, and I love that. And I love that moment when you realize that, that you know, the filmmaker has, hasn't tricked you. And in fact, has been completely upfront with you. It's like, the story is now over. You have now been taken to the place you need to be taken to and the movie's ending. And yeah, the character is going to go on and, and this is what her life is going to be like from now on, possibly just that. Um, uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. And I know that those frustrate the hell out of a lot of people too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, and, and, and it's, 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 it's funny. I think how we, you know, came to talk about endings today as I was thinking a lot, uh, you know, I'm writing, I'm writing something new and thinking about the ending of it and reflecting on, you know, with the nest coming out, reflecting on the ending of the nest and just, and, and when I made Martha, the nest was the talking point. I mean, every, every screening I did first question I get afterwards about the ending. And, and it was always like, you know, people love it and then people hate it. And, right. you know, they, people often like in Q and A's want to know, want to know more. And I would always say like, well, I, I set out to make a movie about a woman who escapes from a cult and the research that I did. And what I understand about the trauma of that is that cannot be solved in three weeks. And the movie is set over the period of three weeks after a woman escapes from a cult. So to end, to end with any more resolution other than the state of mind of where she's at, right. I think would be, you know, untruthful. Um, yeah. Well, today she'd end up on the Supreme Court. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an incredible reaction it gets. I, I, I mean, you know, we you, you told me about Limbo. I actually hadn't seen it, and I and I watched it this week. Um, and I absolutely love the ending. And yeah. and, and you said about you know 
cheering when you when you'd you'd seen it and having some people in the audience the oh yeah no I, the movie cuts to black and i just went yes like it just exploded <laughs> out of me it literally is half people around me are going what the fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. there was I, there was a day i was i was i was living in new york and 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 martha was out in theater and i was walking through my neighborhood and so like a friend of a friend rode by on her bike and, and she stopped and she's like oh, i just came from the angelica i just saw your movie at the angelica how funny and and she said um, she said that she loved it, but she said that when it ended, a guy stood up after it cuts a black and just screamed. It ended like the fucking Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and walked and walked up the aisle screaming over and over again. It ended like the fucking Sopranos. I will. I don't think I've, I've, I'm not sure I'm on the record yet. I think it's the greatest endings in the history of all narrative is. This I movie. agree. I mean, it's yeah. It's, it's like, a yes, it's Ed. a funny camp. Yeah, exactly. And it's a funny camp to fall into, like whether yeah. you like the ending of the Sopranos or not. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, what's what's next on your list? Um, I think sticking with the theme of. Uh, America in disarray. I would say uh, Nashville is a good one. <laughs> Robert Altman's Nashville is five days in the lives of 24 unforgettable people. That's a lot of characters, so listen closely. Lily Tomlin is a gospel singer who strays just a bit when she has a one-night stand with Keith Carradine, a hot young rock singer. Ned Beatty is her husband who doesn't suspect a thing. Henry Gibson is the number one country and western singer who's being tempted to run for governor. His sidekick, Barbara Baxley, drinks a bit and talks a lot. And his son, Dave Peel, is sort of a to Geraldine Chaplin, who plays a starstruck reporter from BBC TV. Ronnie Blakely is the adored singing star on the verge of a breakdown. Alan Garfield is the husband trying to save her life and her career. Scott Glenn is the quiet soldier who worships her from afar. Karen Black is the rival singer who dresses like a sweet little prom queen. But don't let that fool you. Michael Murphy is the campaign manager who'll promise anything, especially to Gwen Wells, a waitress who dreams of being in the spotlight and may have to do a lot of things she never dreamed of to get there. Robert Doki is the one man who tries to tell her the truth. Shelley Duval is the wide-eyed groupie doing what all groupies do so well. Keenan Wynn is the uncle who doesn't understand this wild girl in the sequined hot pants. David Hayward is the sensitive young boy who answers the room for rent sign and who has a big... Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting, it's interesting to think about them together, uh, which, which I hadn't really until compiling this list. And, um, but the way it unfolds uh, of, you know, in the whole movie, you feel like something's coming and it sort of, there doesn't feel like there's much there's not much narrative plot or through line in a traditional sense but you feel like this thing is coming and then it the when the assassination attempt happens um it's very shocking and and i think what i what i love about it and love about altman is that combination of how upsetting it is and the chaos of it um but then there's also there's a reality of it like you hear sound bites of like you know, I can't stop bleeding and things like that. And there's a struggle in the crowd. And so yeah. there's this real like naturalism to it. But then there's like this weird humor always of, you know, trying to, people trying to shuffle off the stage and, and, um, and then the woman who's been trying to get a break, can't get a, get a break, picks up the microphone and, you know, starts singing it, don't worry me. And everyone joins in and, and, it's it's like within two minutes of that song playing everything calms down and moves on and it feels like 
it's it's just leaves you with this incredible feeling of like this horrible thing happened, but then you're already moving on. And I think it just says so much about, you know, I don't know, America in disarray. You know, it's like this, and and the, the themes of that movie deals with in terms of fame and chasing fame and 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 getting a break and it's uh it's all encapsulated in this chaotic ending that ends yeah, I mean, in this sort may, of like peaceful shot well what's so funny is i mean it may be my favorite movie um and that ending why, why is it because it's so hokey in a way she's been yeah. running around the entire movie yeah. trying to get people to listen to her and you know she's going to be terrible and then they yeah. show you the other singer uh what's her um gwen gwen um wells Gwen Wells, who's just ghastly, which sort of sets you up for, you know, if Barbara Harris is ever going to sing, she's going to stink. Yeah. And she gets up and she's amazing. Yeah. And it's not just an amazing performance. It's this incredible cathartic performance that brings everybody together. And, you know, and, and just in so many different people's hands, that could have been a terrible, terrible ending. And yet it's lovely. It's beautiful. It doesn't whitewash the events of the film. It doesn't tell you everything's okay. America's going to, pull it together, but it does somehow give you a sense of kind of real kind of hope in, in yeah. this maybe. Uh, oh, I, I love that ending so much. And that, yeah, this is like life, life keeps going, right? Yep. Whatever, whatever, whatever it is, it, it keeps going. And so it's that, that feeling of continuation after the chaos. I'm thinking too of, of uh, Long Goodbye, which you did a couple of, couple yeah. of earlier, which, um, you know, has favorites. a, you know, it's got, it's got, it's got a very bleak ending, you know, it's got that very sort of, you know, it's a surprise as he shoots his friend and then just walks away. Yeah. <laughs> nobody, nobody gets up on stage and starts singing in that one. Um, but it just, yeah, I, the ending of national seems almost like not an Altman film and yet it fits mm. so well. It's uh, I love it. I love it. Yo, you're a fan of that one. What? Nashville? Or Lonely Bye? Both of them. I like them both. <laughs> yeah, that's great stuff. Do you remember where uh, you saw that one first, Sean? I think <clears throat> I remember, yeah, I remember seeing it, but I remember they're sort of seeing Nashville for the first time and then they're seeing Nashville for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I think the first time I saw Nashville, I probably didn't quite click for me. And it's a big, it was a bigger thing about Altman. I think, I think the first time I was introduced to Altman didn't quite click. Um, and then I think seeing, I think I saw three women and that was the film that really tuned me into him and then watching everything else. And he became my um, go-to for years. Well, good movies don't necessarily give away their mysteries the first time out. Exactly. Yeah. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's it it takes time and revisiting and and but so the first time I saw Nashville, I went to uh, BAM. I think I was with, um, yeah, with some friends and and went and saw it and um, yeah, I just remember. I think it was the first time seeing it in a theater. I think that would have done it too. Yeah, and just being completely, yeah, blown away. Yeah, that's an amazing film. Um, cool. What's what's next? Chinatown. Los Angeles, 1937. There are lots of guys like J.J. Gittes. They're easy to find, if you want to find them. Mr. Gittes, have we ever met? Well, no. 
Never? Never. Since you agree with me that we've never met before, you must also agree with me that I've never hired you to do anything, certainly not spy on my husband. I don't get tough with anyone, Mr. Giddies. My lawyer does. You do your job. And sometimes you find the answers to questions that should never be asked. Or you find out what happens to people who ask them. Hold it there, kitty cat. You're a very nosy fellow, kitty cat, huh? You know what happens to a nosy fellow? Oh. Back, we're back to the grim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... And again, I guess it's I guess it's similar to 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 you know what I respond to in parallax. You know, it's like uh, it's this it's it's being truthful to this like sense of some things just cannot be overcome at least by one person in one moment, even though the truth is all right there and the evidence is all right there and. Um, I'm, it's sensing just, ble- I'm sensing a bleak theme to your truth. Yeah. <laughs> Is, uh, yeah, I guess so. Is, is, some, is some like it hot on this list? Or what? <laughs> spoiler alert for the spoiler alert. It's not a it's single a... happy ending. <laughs> well, they are endings after. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, Chinatown. But again, Chinatown's one of those ones where you almost, you know, as grim as the whole film is, you know it's not going to end well, but there is that hope that he's going to, something, something good will come out of it. You know? I don't think I don't think that's you know, true. <laughs> no, I, I don't I guess, think so. Well, I think that the revelations in that movie are so horrible. Yeah. <laughs> there's just no way you could put a good spin on them. I think here's, here's Jacob's Chinatown is like okay, that's that's like the benediction of the movie. It's one of those movies I saw way too young. My father took me to wildly inappropriate films. So as a kid, I'm watching yeah. a detective <laughs> trying to solve a crime, and all I know is everything's ghastly. But he's got to solve it. So I think there's, I'm still clinging to some of that from when I was, you know, eight or whatever. No, the Philip the Philip Marlowe movie is the long goodbye. It's not Chinatown. Yes, yes, <laughs> and that doesn't end well. Either, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, yeah. the long goodbye ends with hooray for Hollywood. <laughs> Remember, he's walking down that street like in yep. the third man, and then he sings the right for Hollywood. So that you know, contrapuntal, they call it. Yes, that is exactly <laughs> the phrase. Um, uh, but yeah, Chinatown is is so it, it, it's it's got that ending, and, and John Houston is so. Oh. I don't know. There's some. He just taps into some kind of just darkness that that. It, it's, yeah, it's really it's a really incredible, uh, yeah, monster. But finds the naturalism in it somehow. Yeah, really, and he's just—he's just like all those those that whole final sequence, just like looming in this way. Um, it's like this embodiment of evil, and, and yeah. like you know what, you know what the city is built on, and it's uh, it's just in, it's just incredible. I mean, you know, the, the, it's also it's also something like I, I I sort of love uh, when. You know, a mystery is solved, but the solving of the mystery isn't celebrated, or the authorities don't acknowledge it, or right. you know that sort of thing. So it's like it's fulfilling in the sense that you solve the mystery. The questions are answered. The yeah. questions are answered, yes. and and I, I and I always I always love that too. Where the questions are answered, but you know, it's not the uh, acknowledged by everyone. Happy, happy yeah. ending. Yeah. yeah, and actually, yeah, and you're kind of better off at the end not having asked the question. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> all things being equal. Um, yeah, yeah, good stuff. So you, have any ha- any, you got any happy endings in there? Um, so. No, not really. How about you guys? <laughs> you guys have a favorite happy ending? Well, as Orson Welles used to say, a happy ending depends on where you stop your story. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a, yeah, and I think, I think I do like that. I think I just like a, I think I like a sort of complicated ending where, like I said, where you feel, you feel it continue after for the possibility. Well, oh, I think after. also from a really, if you want to sort of, you know, issue any kind of uh, artistic merit and just get as cynical as possible, um, ending your movie with any kind of question is always a good thing. Because mm-hmm. it means the audience has got something to talk about as they walk out of the theater and they are thinking about your film for at least a few more minutes. Whereas if you, you know, if you wrap everything up or do, actually, I kind of love the ending of Return of the King where there's 37 endings for the next you know, hour and a half because we've been on this journey for years and it's all right. But you don't walk out of that movie going, well, what happened next? You're like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but but um, yeah, I mean, do the right thing. I think is sort of one of the great examples of that, where people just sort of walk out and, and argue for weeks about yeah. why did he throw the thing through the window? What's that about? And da, 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 da. Um, it's just a way of keeping your film alive in people's heads, and maybe they'll talk about it in front of somebody who hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a funny thing because like I I also like my the movies that i i mean i watch such a wide variety of movies i love everything i love all kinds of films i mean i love rom-coms and constantly searching for you know the best rom-com and and so it's not it's not that i you know don't watch it or don't enjoy it i do love a happy ending i think i think the endings it's 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 what you're talking about it's like the endings that stay with me you know yeah. the endings yeah. that keep me thinking about film the endings that inspire me as a filmmaker to 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 raise the questions that I want to raise in the work right come from this place of 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 these of and being inspired by these films that 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 leave you in a place where you don't stop thinking about them for, for years. Also the endings the endings of most comedies aren't particularly I don't mean this is a bad thing. They're not particularly memorable. That's why when I was trying to come up with a yeah. with a with a memorable ending, it was like, oh something like it hot. But I couldn't come up with two more. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that is um I think um, uh, actually one of my favorite uh, I'm blanking. Let me look. My favorite comedy ending is um, sorry. Ace Ventura. <laughs> it's um, our idiot brother. I don't know. It's Paul. It's the Paul Rudd movie. Um, oh, okay. All right. And and it it's it's got this. It's like it ends with him. He gets his dog back and. And uh, his dog's name is Willie Nelson, and he's at the dog park, and his dog meets another dog, and then he meets the woman who owns the dog, and and her dog's name is Dolly Parton. <laughs> 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 and, and, and like it's that that has to be one of my favorite comedy endings. I'm just <laughs> such a sucker for that. <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, that's surprise twist. Yes. <laughs> To my list. Uh, <laughs> so what's what's next? What do you got? Um, let's see. Uh, shifting into uh, family movies. Uh, shoot the moon. The electricity of Midnight Express. The excitement of fame. 
One man has captured them both. His name is Alan Parker. He creates the kinds of films that have never happened before. Now, it's happening again. Why did Daddy leave us? Well, I don't think he left you. I think he left me. MGM presents Shoot the Moon, an emotional portrait of an American family with powerful performances by Albert Finney. This is my house. I fixed up this house. And Diane Keaton. Well, you're not at this house anymore, George. Remember, you walked out feet first. And a screenplay by two-time Academy Award winner, Bo Goldman. Are you going to let her get a divorce? I think I'm going to have to. What happens to me? It is honest, compelling, and uncompromising. It is a story of love, pain, anger, and it's, tears. Uh... Yeah, dealing with a family, going through a divorce. And, and I think the tone, the tone of the movie overall is just incredible because it, it's a film that has atmosphere and a sense of place without ever doing anything beyond just depicting this family in this situation. And you feel the place in this way and the time and the love in the family and how complicated it is and the effects on the kids. And, and it's just this beautiful story of marriage. And, and, then, and then it reaches this wonderful resolution. And there's this barbecue and they built the tennis court. And, and it feels like everyone's grown. You know, it feels like, okay, they found this new life that they're both, uh, thanking and, and Albert Finney are both in, in these new relationships and, and everyone's accepted it. And then he gets the car. <laughs> And he just runs through the whole thing. And it is, it, it's so surprising and so wild. Um, and, then, and then there's like this brutal fight. And, and in the final moment, just the kids walk to him. And it's like they choose their father no matter what's happened. Um, and then it has that great final moment and hilarious flash frame, uh, freeze frame. Or the freeze frame. Yeah, and uh, what is the freeze frame? I don't. Remember. Oh, it's like he he reaches up and her name is Faith. His, his wife's name is Faith. He reaches up and he says Faith, <laughs> but it's again, it's it's open of whether she's going to take it back or not. But you you I don't know. I I certainly get the sense whether that is is a good thing or a bad thing. I certainly get a sense that, that they're going to stay together as a family. It's yeah, I, I have a weird um somehow I'm allergic. I I'm I'm I don't know if I'm either impervious to or allergic to Alan Parker. Oh really? I just I'm trying to, I don't know if there's one film of his that I've loved and I, I remember I just remember feeling like that was uh and I saw when it came out and I was too young, certainly. Yeah. Um because I think I think it's uh, it's it's most definitely a movie made for grown-ups. Yeah. Um and uh it just it just felt like it, it was so over the top his his action at the end that that it just it felt a little movie movie to me but i i it, that's the one that keeps coming up where people keep insisting that like you know that that's the one you might not be impervious to um and 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 now being on the you know having having lived a few years since i saw it <laughs> um, maybe maybe it's the time to give it another shot yeah i mean for me it's the movie that that it, it it is like this one of the greatest straight family dramas, you know. And um, I just keep coming back. I only discovered it about five 
five, six years ago. And I keep coming back to it. I mean, it was my probably my main reference for the nest. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, Joe, what's your, are you a Shukabun guy? I'm agnostic on dysfunctional family movies. <laughs> <laughs> even, even ones that end in explosions of violence? Come on. Well, um, Parasite does that. I mean, it's very similar. Yeah, I love Parasite. Yeah. I love the nest. But the nest, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not coming to the nest. It's not into an explosion of violence. Or it might. Who knows? Let's say. <laughs> I should not have said anything. Um, but, <laughs> Oh, really, one of the best shootouts I've ever seen is uh, the last 20 minutes of the nest. <laughs> it's crazy. Or like you don't expect one of those chariots. Wild West. Kind of, it's like the wild West. Yeah, yeah. Slow motion, geysers of blood. It's, um, it's, uh, yeah. He, he goes for it. Um, what, what, what else then? Uh, other, other family, uh, dysfunctional family drama Oops. for Joe. Um, the ice. Storm. Yeah, let's let's do them all at once. So yeah. Get the ice storm. Next stop will be New Canaan, Connecticut. New Canaan, Connecticut. Next stop. Once there was a time when families Hello. were strangers. Oh, hey, Dad. Guy, I'm just confirming uh, you'll be on the 440 on Wednesday, right? So you and your sister can mope around the house, and your mother and I can wait on you hand and foot while the two of you occasionally grunt for more food. Neighbors were lovers. You know, I think Elena might suspect something. Is that a new aftershave? Uh, yeah. Uh, musk or something. And America was learning the truth. Are you watching this? Watching what? Nixon doofus. He's a liar. Calm down. I wasn't in on it. It was 1973, and the climate was changing. Did you care to play? It's strictly volunteer, of course. The key party? The men put their car keys in a bowl, and at the end of the evening, the women line up and fish them out. <laughs> How are the parental units functioning these days? Dad's doing his up with people routine. Is that good or bad? It's just you develop a sense if things are going to work out or if they won't. I have a husband. I don't particularly feel the need for another. Sometimes it's not worth the mess. I love that so, show. I'm yeah. trying to remember the ending. So the so the the, end, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the very the very end I I would find very very moving is is um. Uh, they go, um, the, the, the son comes, he's coming back from New York and, and he's on the train and it freezes overnight and he gets there and the whole family's there to pick him up and they don't tell him what's happened. Um, but it just the image of them all coming together to pick him up, his sister and both his parents, which is, you can tell is a weird, you know, like a random thing that doesn't happen. And they just get in the car and, um, um, he, the father tries to say something and can't and starts crying and it just ends on the son watching, uh, sort of responding to his father crying. It's in it. And, and, and you imagine it's the first time you've ever seen, he's ever seen his father cry yeah. or show any kind of real emotion. I assume, I mean, the whole film is about, um, you know, sweeping emotion under the rug. Right. So it's like the first moment of truth that this family's exposed and they've all been, you know, avoiding each other and avoiding real feelings. And, and so for me, that's, it's just such a beautiful, perfect moment and seeing a parent cry for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I, as soon as you said that already, yeah, that's, that's a, it's a lovely film. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not quite as, 
uh, agnostic, let's say, as Joe, but but I am I am a little resistant to that genre unless they are done, yeah, at that at that level, because um, that's mm. such a good film. That is such a yeah, just beautiful, beautiful movie. Yeah, I mean, there's very there's very few family dramas that have been done well. I mean, yeah, very few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was not uh, uh, a Kramer versus Kramer comes up a lot, and I know people love it. Yeah, I'm hoping it's not, I don't know if it's on your list or not. I don't mean I've already I've already bagged on one it's of not, your. It's not. <laughs> but, it's not. Um, uh, you know, I just I just remember. Um, Hearing David Cronenberg saying that he thought The Brood was a much more uh, serious and adult um, dissection of divorce, and actually reali <laughs> realizing that a he was serious, and b <laughs> I, I think I think he's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we've had guests talk about Kramer versus Kramer, so I'm, I'm, um, but getting uh, a dead horse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, oh, speaking of dead horses, let's go back to oh, dead no, horses. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> spoiler alert! Oh, yeah. uh, uh, what's what's next on your list? What's next? What do we got here? Um, the Graduate. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Listen, everybody, I want you all to be quiet. I've got Ben's college yearbook here, and I just want to read you some of the wonderful things about Ben. Hey, there's the award-winning yes. scholar. We're all very proud of you, Ben. How are you, track star? What are you going to do now? I was going to go upstairs for a minute. Oh, I meant with your future. Your life. Well, that's a little hard to say. Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Have you gotten us a room yet? I haven't, no. Do you want to? I'll get undressed now, is that all right? Sure. Shall I? I mean, shall I just stand here? I mean, I don't know what you want me to do. Why don't you watch? Oh, sure, thank you. Benjamin, are you having an affair with someone? I do think you should know the consequences of what you've done. I, I do think you should know that my wife and I are getting a divorce soon. What happened between Mrs. Robinson and me? was nothing. It didn't mean anything. Well, that's not saying much for my wife. The point is, I don't love your wife. I love your daughter, sir. Um, again, you know, I think... I, I think, uh, it just, just going back to the impact I think it had on me the first time I saw it, um, would have just been, you know, silently ending a movie with what now? You know, yeah. I just found, yeah. I just, it has stayed with me forever. Yeah. I wonder, Joe, that, uh, yeah. I was just wondering, Joe, do you, I realize I've never read Buck Henry's script. And um, do you know or have a guess uh, as to whether or not that, that last shot is scripted? Uh, that I don't know. I, I do know that the book is fairly, the, the movie is fairly faithful to the book. And is, is that the sense at the end of the book? Well, you know, I, I always thought that like in, in, in 20 years, they'd be doing uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, you know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> they're, not, they're not really soulmates. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's the... They I mean, think they are, and we, but it's and, interesting. We wanna, and we want to think they are, and we want to, and we're on their side, and we, you know, we, we don't want this horrible other family, that horrible guy who's going to marry, ugh, you know? 
but you know, it, the fact that they're sitting in this bus and don't know what they're going to do uh, doesn't bode well. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't, I don't, the way I see it is they, they don't even make it to Virginia Woolf. I, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think they make the year. Yeah. You know, I think they, they check into a motel and by, by the next week it's, it's over. Cause there's that, yeah. that look he, on his he face. Goes, he goes back to Mrs. Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> there's just something, I mean, the look on his face of like that, that moment of, you know, I've been so focused and obsessed with doing everything I need to do exactly. to this place. And then that sudden realization that I never asked myself if I should. Well, isn't is, that like the ending of the candidate? Yeah. 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 I think, did we talk about the, this is the problem with this show? Cause it's like, yeah, I do the show and then I sign off and like Joe, that I go off and talk to a bunch of friends and we talk about yeah. movies. <laughs> so I don't know if I've said this in the show, but we, we watched uh, Nancy and I watched the candidate recently and, and my wife is amazing at um to the point of being annoying i'm trying i'm trying to like get her to understand that i spent years trying to be bad at this because i want to enjoy a movie and not see the ending coming but she'll sit there five minutes into something and go oh who's well is dead and <laughs> but we we got to a certain point in the candidate and i i you know i'd seen it before and i said so what what how do you think this is going to end she's like oh he's going to get assassinated i was like nope she's like what he's going to lose I'm like well we'll see <laughs> and and yeah, that it's it's such a seventies ending where, you know, he doesn't he doesn't get to win uh the, the way you want him to, you know, the Rocky, the Rocky two winning, and and he doesn't get to get assassinated. He just he actually <laughs> he has to win and then suffer for it, you know. It's so lovely. Yeah, I I love that film. I love that film. But yeah, the guy I, I remember seeing the graduate, even the first time you know, as a teenager and because you're, if you're watching, I think the graduate the right way or at the right age, you're invested in him. You're invested in his pursuit of her because you've seen so many of these films. And well, I, I can, I can say from my geriatric point of view, that the, seeing the movie when it was new, yeah, uh, it was a movie that really did speak to its generation. Sure. I mean, we, we were that guy Yeah. from the, from the time we see him on the, on the treadmill at the airport, uh, he's like, he's us yeah. and all the things the, the plastic and the parents and the, and the, the view of the parents and, and then the portrayal of both sets of parents are, is exactly what was going on in our lives of us and, upper middle-class white people. Right. <laughs> you know, right. I'm not saying that Spike Lee saw it the same way. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and you're still with that girl today, right, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't with the girl at all when I said <laughs> um yeah but that's a, it's an amazing film ah. and even and 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 the, and the generational you know the, the divide at the end too of just this uh the there's a sh like the reverse shot of everyone all the older people in the bus just turning around looking at them yeah and it's it's just a second and then it comes back and it's it's just such a uh yeah it's just such a beautiful moment and then and then the, like the the uh it, like the smiles like it's like he smiles and then she smiles and they both like it's like these waves you watch you watch their emotions sort of dissipate and the worry set in but then it sort of comes back and the excitement comes back it's such a it's it's so beautiful the way it takes this time it's not even that long a shot but it just feels like you're watching in real time realization set in yeah um yeah yeah you see it all happen that, that would have been fun to watch um i, I just i imagine nichols directing it like a silent film you know 
Yeah. Like, happy, sad. Any <laughs> 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 <Give me> doubt? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, an amazing film. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Got nothing fun for you guys. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> we're, having, we're having fun wallowing in the meat. I think the most loving, uh, accepting ending I have is the birds. How do you do? My name is Alfred Hitchcock, and I would like to tell you about my forthcoming lecture. It is about the birds and their age-long relationship with man. It will be seen in theatres like this across the country. In my lecture, I hope to make you all aware of our good friends, the birds. Theirs is a noble history, and through it all, man has played a conspicuous part. This cave drawing is one of man's earliest sketches of his feathered friend. One can see at once the loving care with which the artist depicted his subject. The story of man and his friends, the birds, is filled with many fine examples of ways in which these noble creatures have added to the beauty of the world. Take this plumed hat from the period of Charles I. How proud the birds must have been to have their feathers plucked out to brighten man's drab life. Here we have a later model, a refinement of the first. Here man, or rather woman, thought enough of the birds to have an entire one as a decoration. It's quite dead, of course. <laughs> because the family gets back together. <laughs> and, and not only do they get back together, but they accept Melanie Daniels into their world. And it's it's a really it's just such a strange journey, right? Like it just it basically she's a bit of a lost character and she gets accepted by his mother into this family without really anything being said. She just, you know, like takes her in her arms in the car. And it's like, yeah, she's being she's gone through this horrible thing and now she can be a part of their family. Yeah. It's uh, it's a very, it's it's sort of the only, it's sort of the only character. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't even call it character development. I would say just like the only thing character based that kind of happens in the film, 
you know, otherwise it feels all quite, quite random. Yeah. Um, I just, I find it pretty incredible. That's funny. Well, I, yeah, yeah. At least you know, there's, a, there's a moment of happiness. Yeah. I mean, I assume she, she makes it, you know, Bird, no, the birds are pretty calm by then. Well, we never know. We never really know, do we? And then apparently there was a whole big piece at the end that they took out. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, what's they, that? They go to San Francisco and everything's ruined and there's birds everywhere. And there's still oh, really? there's stills of this on the, on the internet. Oh. They shot all this stuff and didn't use it. Really? Where's and then the footage is just destroyed, we assume. I assume. That's that's so interesting because Hitchcock always talked about like how you know he never cut anything out and just everything was done to a T. And I I'm always so skeptical. Of that. Well, there's different endings on Topaz. There's you know I mean right. it, it, it's I think when he finally fell out of the clutches of Lou Wasserman, it was it was a little less of a it was he, he had to sort of deal with the demands of the studio a little more. Because he was a shot, he was a stockholder. Right. Interesting. <clears throat> um, and also, I mean, it, is, it, it seems to me there's a possibility, too, that they shot it and the effects didn't work as well as they might have liked. Would that be a possibility with that one, Joe? Or? Uh, I don't know. I, I, uh, somebody, uh, I think Camille Paglia wrote a, a big dissertation about, about the birds, and I think she talks about that part of it. Huh. Okay. We'll look for it. Um, well, what's what's next there? An English movie called The Firm. Listen, this is a fact. We're right past two seasons, right? We are from everyone. Yeti! Yeti! Nineteen eighty nine. Oh, um, uh, Alan, Alan, Alan Clark. Yeah, mm -hmm. Alan Clark and Gary Oldman, right? The, yes. Yeah. The, my uh, favorite. Yeah, my favorite performance. One of my favorite performances, and Gary Oldman uh, is just incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so. Uh, yeah, have you, uh, it's yeah, it's about these soccer hooligans in in England, and their different firms. So they're um, sort of like these different gangs and and their life and how they battle and um it's it's just got this it's just got one of the most incredible endings it ends like they, they have this this final fight and um gary oldman's character has this arch nemesis the yeti and they finally have this fight and um gary oldman's character bex beats the hell out of him and it's completely monstrous. And you see this just like expelling of this like horrible anger that he's got. And then, um, and then the Yeti's on the ground beat up and he says, and he says Bex his name and, and Gerolman looks down at him and you don't see what's happening, but he just starts, he just kind of laughs and, and starts to say, Oh, come on. And then the Yeti shoots him. And it's, it's this incredible moment of, you know, they're, the, the stakes feel very high in the movie. They're, I mean, they're feel life and death because it's so violent and it's this way of life they're living. But in this, in this split second, the, the, the expression on Gary Oldman's face tells you that it's all just a game, right? right? 
the whole thing is just a game and it's just what these guys do for kicks. And, um, and he's like, you know, he pulls a gun on him and he thinks he'd never shoot it because that's crossing the line of the game. And so it's just this amazing moment. And then what follows is all of these guys who are in separate gangs are united in a pub together now as one group talking about how they're going to go take on the Europeans. They're going to go to Europe, to matches in Europe, to fight the Europeans. And, and if they ban football, they're going to do it for snooker and darts, you know, and it's just this, <laughs> it's just this, it, it just captures this um, sort of lost uh, male anger. Yeah. Uh, and, and it just doesn't, and, and it, it creates this beautiful portrait. It doesn't matter doesn't matter how they're getting it out. It's about this lost generation of guys who are just violent and have this thing in them. Um, and I, I just find it very, very moving. Yeah, yeah, I, it's it's great. And, and Alan Clark was so interesting. I, um, uh, I just watched Scum again for the first time in a thousand years, which is uh, an amazing Incredible. film with Ray Winston. There's also, I stumbled across this guy. Oh my God, I may, I may have a filmmaker Joe doesn't know. <laughs> Joe, are you familiar with Nick Love? Nope. Fantastic. <laughs> um, he's, he's, a, he's a British director who makes, I, I don't want to, I mean, he had, a, he had a run. I'm not sure he, he's, if, he's, if he's still sort of chugging along at the same speed, but for a while, a few years back, he was making, I guess they were kind of called lad movies. Just these really, I mean, they're very, sort of a Michael Bay energy to them with that kind of color and, um, but maybe without the um, artistic and intellectual content of a Michael Bay film. And uh, <laughs> I mean, just really, really kind of dopey films. He did a remake of The Firm. Oh, that's not, okay, yeah. Which is an amazing thing to see, because I don't know if he got The Firm when he saw it and decided <laughs> to do this, or if he really, it's, it's, it's as if someone who saw The Firm and thought, all right, that looks fucking great. Just made a film about uh -huh. how amazing these guys' lives are and how cool they are. And I can't think of a movie in its remake that are so diametrically opposed to, <laughs> to each other. And the, the movies are fascinating. They're eminently watchable, and you do feel sort of squalid after you've seen them. But, um, yeah, if you ever want a really, really weird experience, watch, uh, watch the remake. I, I have watched them both in the same day. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's an interesting experiment. Um, bizarre. Yeah, I, I feel like for me, I, I'm a I'm a big soccer fan. It's my mm. number one passion outside of movies. And um so for me the firm is the only movie that's ever dealt with it properly. Yeah. And I you know, I saw there was a remake, but for me it's like I can't even I can't even quite acknowledge it exists. <laughs> well it's so it's so far off the mark that yeah. it's kind of okay. Yeah. You know? it's not like, yeah, I'll have to do it. It's not like the remake of the Wicker Man or something. Why are you doing that? It's like you understand why he's doing this. It's, it's really dark. Um that might be a good segue into another title I have, which is uh The Vanishing. Oh, oh God. So Jesus. which one? The front the, the, the original, the original, oh, original. remake. The original, but I, I it was it had a you know I had a, a really interesting response. So I remember watching both of them a long time ago, and more and recently I I, I rewatched The Vanishing, and I remembered how much that ending was was burned into my head, which is because it's so dark. The original is so dark and so relentless, 
but but there's like you really feel the journey right so for me it pays off because you really feel the journey you feel the search it takes its time and and the killer is is i think one of the best portrayed you know killers on film i've ever seen and even the the final shot of him um there's a real pain there you know so he so it's like after he's done this thing he's sitting there and he's got his families around him and he's just got this real pain to him it's not uh so so it's sort of like it took it seriously and i think i really mm-hmm. respected that and again it's like a film that solves its mystery but no one in the world of the film learns the answer and so i i find that i found that quite inspiring i think yeah yeah um god yeah it's it's a it's a it's a grim bleak film though yeah um, <laughs> uh i don't i don't even remember the the american one was was it jeff bridges jeff yeah bridges. and does Same he director they don't that's right they don't give it a happy ending do they but they do they gave they it do? an insane happy ending okay, i mean that's why i've just blanked it out it's, it's preposterous i mean and, and and that's so i i just i just wanted to see because like I when I I rewatched um, the French one recently, I was like, I kind of remember him getting out of the coffin, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, was that the American version? That's so then right. I oh, so then I rewatched God. the American version, and there's this whole elaborate sequence at the end that they added, and mm-hmm. it turns into like a happy ending with a book deal <laughs> for Keeper Sutherland. You know, it's like <laughs> it is like the polar opposite, and to think that it was the same director is uh, is just so crazy they're just such different films yeah i gotta say that's kind of for me it's an argument for the nick love approach because i would much (laughs) no i would i would much rather see a remake of that made by someone who thinks the killer is the hero yeah yeah yeah. who's completely than than to see that kind of ending yeah oh wow i yeah i remember now i remember but i i had i think traumatically erased the american version yeah it's a it's a really interesting look at like and then they're what i think Five years apart. I think the original was in '88, and the remake was in '93. So yeah, same and I period. What, that, what what is that like for the filmmaker? It's like you, yeah, or, or maybe maybe that's what. Who knows? I'm sure he made more money for the American version. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and, and, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe. So a few compromises here and there. Yeah, you know. yeah. Or maybe it was his chance to get it right. You know. <laughs> Lord, uh, yeah, great one. Um, what's next? Um, just to stay on course, Rosemary's Baby. Seven, Congratulations. Minnie Castava has a herbarium. I'm going to have her make a daily drink for you. You're pregnant. Are you aware that the Hanford had rather an unpleasant reputation around the turn of the century? Awful things happen in every apartment house. She seems so happy and full of... She said wonderful things about you and your husband. This is for you, for Roman and me. Sometimes I think they're too friendly and helpful. Guy, 
like that is a warning that something isn't right. They're not setting foot in this apartment ever again. What about what's fair to me? Cheerful ending. Um, the uh, and I think the thing the thing about this that strikes me over and over again is it like just the the humor that is incorporated mm-hmm. in all of this. You know, it's mm-hmm. like how you know some of it is laughing out of a need to just release some tension. Right. But it, it is so playful and so ridiculous, yet completely grounded in the world, completely terrifying. Yeah, I think one of my favorite lines from any movie ever is when she walks in and sees them all and, he's, and, he, and, and Roman tries talking to her and she just, I think she points the knife at him or, mm-hmm. or no, no, she doesn't have the knife. Anyway, she just, says, she just says to him, I, shut up, I don't hear you, you're in Dubrovnik, you know? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and it's, it's just, it's like my favorite kind of writing. You know, it's just these little bits of, of humor in this moments of great tension and horror. Yeah. Um, and even by the time, like, it comes around to the very end and it just kind of pushes past her, it just, just sort of this feeling that she's joined them is, uh, obviously so dark, but also, um, I don't know. It's like seeing her make a decision. It's just incredible. Yeah. 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 Well, so that's, that's, there's Chinatown ending. There's Rosemary's baby ending. And then don't forget the repulsion end. Right. The last sound of repulsion that, that moves in on the, the photo of, of her oh, yes. as a child where she's obviously insane. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. It's so great. Yeah, I've been thinking of trying to come up with what's is there? A, there's got to be a Polanski film with a happy ending. Pirates? Yeah, pirates. <laughs> I know there's nothing happy I mean, about how pirates. A guy, how a guy who could, who could make so many? I mean, anybody who could make three perfect movies, nobody makes perfect movies. Yeah, uh, could go so far astray on the ones that didn't work. Um, like, have you ever seen what? Oh, the Ellie Gould. No, 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 no. Not seen it. Not, not no, no. This is with Sydney Rome. It's a, it's a, um, it's a comedy. It's a sex comedy. Oh. I might I have know. had a different title too, but it, it's know. just, it's, it's just, it's a movie that doesn't work. And you just, you just say, well, how, how did, how did this happen? How did he get involved in this? It's, uh, well, you know, everybody's got bills to pay. I guess it's the... <laughs> but, ah. Uh, uh, do you have any more? Uh, one more. Oh, here we uh, go. And, and, and not, you know, not, you know, saving the last for, you know, my favorite, but um, blow up. Sometimes reality is the strangest fantasy of all. The films of Michelangelo Antonioni speak every language. This is his first in English. What's your name? What do they call you in bed? Blow Up. Starring Vanessa Redgrave, David Hemmings, and Sarah Miles. Blow Up is the most critically acclaimed film of the year and winner of two Academy Award nominations, including Best Director. Standing Blow Up. 
Oh, not blow out. Damn it. Okay. Yes. Yeah, he, li- he likes blow out. He doesn't like blow up. Uh, he really? He didn't used to like blow up until people told him it was good. And then he went back and he looked at no, it. I, knew it. <laughs> I, guess I knew right. it I guess was it's good. I knew it was just enough people kept bringing it up. I was like, it's time to give it another shot because it just never worked for me. And I, I had not seen it since I was a teenager, I think. And um, uh, yeah, I just think it was a movie that I needed some context for. I needed to have, um, uh, I think you, I don't know, it, it, it helped me to at least to have, you know, be on the other side now of having created things because it's a movie mm-hmm. about that process. And, um, uh, no, I, I, I love both of them though. Joe, but he likes Joe blow hates out. Blowout. He likes Blowout better, even though it's a preposterously stupid movie. I love that ending. I love that ending. <laughs> It's got but, the worst but, ending ever. Brilliant ending. Brilliant ending. <laughs> I knew this episode perfect. was going to end in violence. I knew it. It's going to end in a shootout. Um, endings are endings are touchy subjects. You either like them or you don't, right? But but let's talk about blow up and and that ending. So yeah, I think on two fronts. One again, like the just the the odd journey that it descends to. I mean, I, I think the film's got so many problems, but I, just the, this journey that this guy descends into and uh to to go to basically have everything there to solve this crime but to sit on it because he's thinking about his own art as opposed to actually that a human being has been killed right to and then for it to all like slip through his fingers and just all be gone in the morning i just think it's incredible so that, so that on, on one hand, and then the very, the actual ending of watching the mimes play tennis yeah. and the time it takes for them to, to play tennis and then for the ball to go out of the court and for him to walk over and pick it up and throw it back. It's, it seems like, I think the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's just some like weird, ridiculous, artsy ending. But then when I rewatched it, I felt like I don't. I had this feeling of like, well, he has to throw it back. Like he has to go get the ball. It's there, there, are, you know. And it, it just becomes this incredible question of um, watching what you're seeing, what you're believing, what you're participating in, and the expectations of the people watching you, if you're going to participate or not. I mean, it's it's so layered and, uh, but also quite simple. Um, yeah in a way. And I, and I, I find it, I find it just pretty astonishing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's a lovely, it's a lovely ending to a, to a great movie. Um, no, it's just, I've been thinking about this since, since you told me this was the subject you want to do and just sort of thinking about the, the nature of endings It's sort of a running gag um, with, with screenwriters or filmmakers or anyone. I talk about this with a lot of people, but it's like, it's, um, it, it's okay if your movie doesn't open brilliantly but you better finish it well because mm. if you make an amazing film for an hour and 25 minutes in the last five minutes stink up the joint that's all anyone remembers <laughs> but but i think there's just also some payoff to going the other way where if you um uh, have, have you seen long good friday yes like that's a film that i went back to recently i was so surprised that the rest of the movie is i mean he's wonderful Bob Hoskins is wonderful. The rest of the film is nowhere near as good as the end. Yeah. It's got one of the greatest endings you've ever seen. And you walk out of that film going, I've just seen an amazing film. And you've just seen it. That's why it stays with people. Yeah. Yeah. Just seen an amazing ending tacked onto a pretty (laughs) running gangster film, which is, uh, um, yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm fascinated by endings. I mean, what, what, when you're working 
do you, so I'm trying to say, is, is, is it just organic that you find your stories get to these endings that, that, that fall into this kind of category to me? Or, or is it something where when you sit down to write, you're like, I have to have an ending and that ending needs to sort of subscribe to my, my view on these things. Yeah. So it's so funny. So I, I think I love setup. Like my favorite part of a film is the setup and building the world and feeling the world and, and feeling the potential of things. Right. And I quite often feel let down by movies because of where they go, especially horror movies. Like I love horror movies, but there's very few horror movies that last beyond the halfway point for me because they lose what it is they were establishing. And so I, I think I don't really have a, a method. I think I just try to follow the character to a point that I feel is the right ending. Um, I've been reading a lot of uh, Anne Beattie short stories. Mm -hmm. And um, I was listening to something recently and it said that it, it, it quoted her as saying um, something, I probably gets wrong, something like uh, stories don't have endings, just a natural place to stop, something like that. Mm, okay, yeah. You know, it was just a, a yeah, part of the discussion. And, and, and I felt that that felt really right to me. You know, it felt, and again, going back to the thing of like making sure that that the story continues after the movie's over. Yeah. Um, well, but I, I, I rarely have like a, a very specific point in mind, actually. Yeah. That's an interesting way of thinking of it. Of, of, of it. I sort of unrelated, but I offer this, if there's one person who hears this and it helps, I, I smoked for decades and I kept trying to quit and it never worked. And then one day I just decided I would stop. And that mm. made sense to me, you know, <laughs> I, I haven't had a cigarette in 19 years. That's incredible. And, uh, Cause it felt like quitting was a process, but stopping was just, you know, as, as, as you say, what I mean, it's like the movie doesn't end, it just, um, yeah, that's, it's interesting. Joe, do you, are you, uh, what, what are, do a philosophy about endings well if you have a if you have a really good ending you can you can make up for a mediocre movie uh we've seen it happen before um uh, a movie that i won't name uh i I've, i saw the movie when it came out and everybody laughed all the way through the movie and then at the very end there was this big surprise scare and everybody gasped and they all went out talking about what a great movie it was and I, it was very illustrative to me that it the the experience of having a good time at the end of the movie yeah. completely transmogrified the entire experience that they had had. You know, if they had left ten minutes before, they would have been all grumbling about how right. much they didn't like the movie. Yeah. But the ending changed their mind. So I mean, you can you can do wonders with an ending. You know. Yeah, yeah. Remember when I started out, I would I would. Yeah, before I figured out how to write, I would just start writing. I had an idea for a beginning and a middle, and it was only, I think the moment where I realized I'd sort of figured out something integral in the process was when I realized, yeah, the beginning and the middle are okay. You, you got to have the end. You got to know what the end is. At least I do when I'm going into it. Everything else is uh, um, kind of secondary. It's, well, it's uh, like writing a mystery. I mean, you can't write your mystery unless you already, you already know the solution. Right. Otherwise, and even how if, do you get there? Yeah. Yeah. Even, even if it's not like a genre, just you need to know the, um, uh, wow. Um, 
So, um, Sean, it's, it's been great talking to you. These are, these are, um, and I hope we haven't spoiled any movies for anyone. I really do. These are all fantastic yeah, films on their own, but we did warn you at the front. But I, I have, I have one question because you've made two films that I think have have absolutely perfect endings. And is there a, um, is there a secret to the perfect ending? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really simple, and it's just a matter of. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made. Stay safe out there, folks. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.